Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. I'm Evan Schwartztraber, your host. Joining me today is a very special guest, FCC Commissioner Mike O'Reilly. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Evan, thanks so much for having me here today. Well, uh, this is now a huge honor for the show, as we have had two FCC commissioners, and I really hope that you'll be able to get the chairman to come on the show soon. Well, I'll put in a good word, but I wouldn't count on that having any impact, so good luck. (laughs) Well, it's been uh, some busy past few weeks at the FCC. We've got a lot to talk about, but I want to start out with... uh, what Politico called intrigue uh, last week that happened at the uh, at the commission. Um, you, you guys were slated to vote on a proposal to expand um, universal service subsidies under the Lifeline program to broadband, and um, the meeting was supposed to take place at 10.30 a.m., I believe, and then it got delayed for a couple hours, and then uh, some interesting things happened. So uh, just for our listeners, uh, what happened last week? <laughs> sure. And, and so, so you know, uh, and to make be clear, we're still under sunshine rules for that item. It has not been released as of yet. So we're there to make sure that no advocacy occurs in your capacity. But I'm happy to describe what, what I think happened and, and match that up against what others think happened. Uh, you know, truth be told, for over a year, I pushed hard that the commission and tackling and addressing the possible expansion of Lifeline would include a cap on its overall spending. Now, in fairness, I started with the basic premise that I would have rather reformed all of uh, the Lifeline program rather than uh, trying to combine that with the expansion into broadband. So let's deal with fixing the program and then expand it. Right. My colleagues were of the mind uh, that they would rather deal with the expansion part. So I kind of had to move in some regards and I said, okay, well, if we're going to do the two together, we have to do so in a fiscally sound way. And so I was pushing hard uh, and had for a year pushed hard for a cap on uh, the spending part. What happened last week and what you saw and the listeners were able to, to read about is a scenario where my colleague, one of my colleagues came to me and said, look, I know this is your biggest issue. Let me see if I can work with you on it. And we spent some time hashing out what could be an acceptable compromise. It, the, the, the deal, the, the agreement that we reached is not something I would have preferred, nor they as well. We, that was compromise and we both moved to, to a middle ground uh, and worked with a third colleague who's been in to see you, Commissioner Pai. And so the three of us had what we, uh, we, we, our staff worked all night and came up with an agreement. At some point in the morning, uh, it became clear that something was amiss. Uh, you know, the meeting was delayed at 12 o'clock. My colleague and I, Commissioner Pai, went down to the commission meeting expecting it to occur because that was the new set time. We showed up and sat around, and then someone told us, oh, no, it's going to be 1.30. And then 1.30 turned into 2 o'clock. And by 2 o'clock, I mean, we, we were getting word through the day, but by 2 o'clock it was, it was obviously clear that, uh, that the deal that we had struck was, was being tossed into the garbage. Uh, and that there would be no uh, change to the uh, to to there would be no imposition of a cap. Instead, they would go with what they had previously proposed, which, which is budget budget mechanism. And in fairness, it's not a budget at all. It shouldn't have the word budget in it. It's a complete joke. Um, and, and that's what they intended. And and that's what we're what's governing the program today. Yeah, one of the biggest issues that critics of the program have had is that it's one of the only government programs that doesn't have a budget. So the spending can just go as high as anyone who's eligible for the program. The, as more people apply and get approved, the budget can just keep going and going. So you and your colleague, Commissioner Pai, were working with Commissioner Clyburn, a Democrat, and you guys are both Republicans. So this was a bipartisan effort to 
do some compromise. And like you said, it wasn't perfect for you. It wasn't perfect for them. That's kind of the nature of bipartisan compromise. But um, it's pretty incredible to me that you are the commissioner of the FCC and you're showing up to a meeting thinking it's going to happen and then getting the runaround and being told that it's getting moved. And I mean, you would think that you would, you and Commissioner Pai would be at least made privy to the to the fact that the meeting was getting bumped. Uh, you shouldn't have to find out that way, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting place and interesting times we live in, and I have to roll with the punches. I would have hoped to, to have a better notification system, uh, but it is, you know, what it is. And so um, we, we had to deal with the, the delay. The more importantly was the substance getting uh, punted around in, in, in a negative way. And you're, you're right to, to point out the, the fact we have four programs within Universal Service, high-cost rural health care facilities, Lifeline, and schools and libraries. And Lifeline is the only of the four that doesn't have a budget, doesn't have a cap on its spending. So at any given time, we can spend whatever is necessary. We've gone as high as $2.2 billion. We're now spending, we'll probably spend this year, give or take $1.6 billion. And so when I started with a number, I was trying to tie it to the 2014 uh, spending of $1.6 and said, that's 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 where I am. That's where I'm willing to to put down a marker. Where is anyone else? What are, what are their ideas? And no one really came forward until just the last minute. So it's not, even though the, the FCC has a commissioner, it's not uh, illegal for the not, or sorry, the FCC has a chairman. It's not illegal for the non-chairman commissioners like yourself to work together. And it doesn't necessarily always have to involve the chairman. And this deal theoretically would have involved two Republicans and one Democrat in favor. And then since it never came to pass, we didn't get to see how the other commissioners, uh, Wheeler and Rosenworcel, would have voted. But is you know this was a real attempt at bipartisanship, and a lot of people who observe the agency are frustrated by the 3-2 votes, 3-2 votes, similar to the Supreme Court with 5-4 votes. It just seems like it's always partisan, and this would have been a departure. So you had a deal. What happened at the 11th hour to change it? Well, and I don't like to, to speculate since I wasn't in some of those rooms and in the, in the, in, in how the deal fell apart. We did have an agreement reached among three offices. I would have liked to believe that more offices, more commissioners, and the chairman would have supported it. I don't know that to be the case um, since we let our, my, my colleague uh, try and deal with her side of the aisle and understand what was happening over there. But for, for whatever reason, that it broke down. Uh, I wasn't given the, too many specifics on, on what the circumstance that led to that to believe. To, to be, except that we um, were, were told that a number of people had weighed in. You can check the record now and see that quite a deal, quite a number of people have weighed in uh, the morning of um, in opposition to to my position uh, to to the deal we struck. And I don't know how exactly they found out about it, but so be it. They um, they weighed in in opposition, and that became the new groundswell uh, to to get us to where we we ended up. Well, we had an opportunity for a nice uh, moment of bipartisanship, but I guess we'll uh, we'll have to hope that another. Oh, and we have had instances where it's been, you know, it's rare. Uh, it, you know, I can count uh, just a couple instances that come to mind. I know we did one on effective competition where it was Chairman Wheeler and and myself and Commissioner Pai. Uh, that might be the only one that comes to mind in terms of an instance where it was actually three two in some capacity that where where, where it was broken against party lines. But generally, it's been you know there's been a lot of three twos and it's been party lines. And that's that's pretty uh, pretty d- dismal. Well, as you say, uh, it's an ongoing matter, so we won't get into the specifics sure. of the proposal, but there's plenty of other stuff going on at the oh, FCC yes. that we can talk about. And a big thing that we recently talked about on the podcast is uh, this 
Netflix admission that uh, Netflix was intentionally throttling or downgrading the video quality of AT&T and Verizon customers. It notably was not doing the same thing to Sprint and T-Mobile customers. And this had been going on for about five years and uh, it was not anywhere to be found in the terms of service. Uh, I am a Netflix uh, subscriber uh, throughout that five-year period. I went from Verizon to T-Mobile. Uh, I never noticed a difference, but maybe it would have been nice to know that that was happening. Uh, and the company had a good intention with this. They said that they wanted to help customers uh, navigate their data cap more efficiently and to ration their data more efficiently. But of course, there's a transparency issue here. And the big news item that came out of this was that the FCC has decided not to investigate this. Now, to be clear, it's not necessarily a violation of the net neutrality regulations that the commission adopted, but it's certainly a transparency issue. It, it kind of smells of hypocrisy for one of the biggest proponents of strict net neutrality to be downgrading certain traffic for certain customers and not others. So what is your reaction to the fact that the commission has decided not to investigate this at all? Well, uh, a couple fold. First, uh, I, I do agree with the point that it's not a, a, a net neutrality violation in and of itself. The strict governing principles that were enacted against my wishes in February last year uh, only cover ISPs or internet service providers and don't cover those companies, so-called edge providers. So I actually agree with that outcome. I'm glad that the commission is not going to try to impose its net neutrality obligations on edge providers. I don't want to see a world when we, when, when, that goes in that direction. Right. So I'm pleased that, that that's not going to occur. But what I have argued is we, need, we should, as an agency, go back to see if the representations made by net Netflix to the agency in that proceeding provided any false uh, indication to they they misrepresent any 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 material before the commission because that is a violation of our rules. So I want to know what they presented to us and whether that would would constitute any particular problem or violation of our rules. Now in terms of the substance in and of itself, the FTC is available to. To, to look at the edge providers and see if there was an issue in that regard. And then you also have the Congress who may may find it necessary to, to weigh in on this subject matter. It does get to the point that you highlight, which is the hypocrisy of the situation. We're having the largest or the second largest company advocating for a position at the same time knowing that its practices were certainly suspect. Is it is it you know in violation of anything to not um, discloses information? No, it may not be. They, that's something that the FTC could examine uh, if they were so so chose to do so. But it does raise the question, the burdens that they wanted onto ISPs uh, and broadband providers, what did they expect from broadband providers? Why were they pushing so hard for certain behavioral changes from uh, from, from ISPs when they themselves were not doing certain practices? So uh, it, it's a, it smacks to, you know, really of hypocrisy. It does raise the question of whether the ground that we um, the anchored the net neutrality rules on were, you know, because, net, because Netflix is one of the largest advocates, was, is that solid, right? If, if We've seen time and time again the comments that they've made in terms of how much burden they expected to come from this. And it's, it's really been disappointing uh, given my, the fervor that my, uh, my colleagues at the commission had for the rules that they enacted and, and don't have any intention of changing them. Yeah, Netflix, the key here is that you just brought up is that Netflix was so involved in the fight for strict net neutrality. And they made a distinction between just net neutrality, which the, the chairman had a proposal in May of 2014 that was meant to protect net neutrality, but not imposing strict utility regulation on broadband. Netflix was one of the biggest 
uh, proponents of stricter regulation, meaning all internet traffic, all bits are created equal. And clearly not in this case for Verizon and AT&T customers, their bits were not as equal as T-Mobile and Sprint bits. And you got you hit the nail on the head. They were providing information to the commission saying, look, we're having problems with internet providers. They're screwing us over. Uh, our traffic's getting congested, et cetera, et cetera. And meanwhile, this piece of information might have been relevant to that discussion, and it might have helped inform the rules that were adopted if you knew that one of the biggest proponents of strict net neutrality was doing something shady. And John Oliver really made this a Comcast versus Netflix thing, which was an oversimplification from the start. But to the extent that we're talking about one company's problems as a justification for regulation, this is pertinent information. No, and one of the biggest uh, parts of the debate, and you can take net neutrality and break it into components. One component that Netflix was really advocating for was what's known now as interconnection. We used to call it peering, and is that that's the relationship between an edge provider uh, and 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 the backbone or an ISP and the backbone. It is certain parts farther removed from the end consumer, uh, and that is usually done and had been done for the longest time in a in a, in, a, in a negotiating handshake method um, where they would deal with handing off traffic uh, because they were the largest providers and they would they would work those things out amongst themselves and Netflix came forward and said no we need you to regulate this space and it wasn't until the end when, when even Chairman Wheeler had said we believe that interconnection and peering is separate from net neutrality where he did a 180 and said oh actually it is now part of net neutrality and we have some new rules and we're going to look at that and allow uh, the Commission uh, Enforcement Bureau to look at you know potential violations of that situation and then you saw a number since the, that announcement you saw a number of deals being struck that people would say are relatively favorable towards Netflix. So it's kind of interesting to see the, the dynamic that has developed where they advocated for a position, they got favorable treatment because of it, and now they were, they, they, they whether the specifics, they were obviously not an ISP, so they're not applicable, but the, the behavior and the spirit of the rules were not being followed by the, the largest proponent or one of the largest proponents. And there's certainly anti-competitive concerns as well. If uh, if Netflix was claiming that their service was suffering on certain under certain providers and not others, and that suffering was being caused by them, that's a concern. And that kind of bleeds into another issue that the commission's looking at, which is zero rating. So we've talked about T-Mobile's offering on this show before, Binge On, which allows its customers to stream unlimited video from any provider that can meet the... Uh, the neutral specifications that T-Mobile needs to identify video and you can stream all you want without going against your monthly data allowance um, in exchange for the video being downgraded in quality which helps T-Mobile with their network congestion and recent numbers that I if I remember correctly about 10 to 12 percent of its network congestion has been mitigated by this uh, program so zero rating is helping the consumer it's helping the company but uh, one of the issues here is that Netflix is a is a uh, partner with Ben John. And while Netflix was asking for strict net neutrality on one hand, on another hand, they're throttling Verizon and AT&T. And on another hand, they're allowing T-Mobile to throttle them. So Netflix is involved in all sorts of uh, seemingly contradictory things going on at the FCC. But uh, the agency recently started inquiring about zero rating. The Title II reclassification of broadband did not ban zero rating. Uh, the rules said that the agency would look at it on a case-by-case -case basis, and a part of that is this 
seemingly benign information gathering, but uh, you might have a different characterization of what's going on with that. Well, and I should start. We've had a long conversation about Netflix. I'm glad that so many consumers take advantage of, of the services that Netflix brings to consumers and video offerings. That's great. And I'm glad that it's the, comp- the competition it's bringing. What we're talking about is Netflix fixes advocacy at the commission and how that applies. And right. your point is so well taken. Uh, and you frame the debate very well on zero rating. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's highly, um, it's what I anticipated the debate and how it was going to go when the commission adopted these rules. They said zero rating uh, wasn't going to be outright banned, but we knew at the time uh, that they had a dismal view of it. Uh, and since then, they have gone forward. Uh, first one month, Chairman Wheeler walks out and says, it Binge on is highly competitive and innovative. Isn't that great? Then <laughs> 30 days not later, he walks out and says, you know, notwithstanding all of that, we need to really look at this issue. It's got to be, it looks pretty problematic. And so I'm sicking my enforcement bureau uh, to, to, to have backup role to, to, the, uh, to our two other bureaus that are looking at this issue, the wireline and wireless bureau. So you have the policy folks looking at the issue. And if anything comes from that, they immediately can shift, shift it over to the enforcement bureau for action. So, you know, quite frankly, is what you have is a number of advocacy groups that don't believe in any type uh, of, of zero rating situation, no matter how beneficial to consumers. Uh, I've taken the position that I want to see how these things develop and see what happens. I don't approach that in a case-by-case basis because I don't want to sit there and say and accuse every uh, situation as, as as problematic. What I want to know is, okay, let's let's see how the marketplace develops. There are going to be unique niches and offerings that go forward and we want to see how consumers adopt them in this case and in certainly t-mobile's universe it looks to be quite popular amongst a number of their subscribers and isn't that a great thing that we should celebrate instead the commission is on an inquisition to use the uh bureaus to push a particular uh Position uh, and we just waiting. We're waiting with bated breath to see what's the outcome of that investigation. We actually may never know because there is no under the case by case method that the commission has adopted or that the approach the commission has adopted as part of net neutrality. There's no requirement that the bureau actually ever conclude anything. They can just leave it dangling out there. What I have pushed for is the bureaus to actually you know make your determination one way or the other that it's either good or bad, so a company can move on. I never wanted the commission to be in a position in the uh, as it is now in the mother may I approach to come to the commission for a company to be required to come to the commission and get approval but if they're forcing that to happen you ought to at least then answer the question yes or no so they're not ha- held in abeyance and they're just waiting for uh, enforcement action at some future time yeah, I know AT&T recently said that they would not really be expanding sponsored data or zero rating programs until they get the clarity that you just mentioned. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting to talk about the the companies that are being dragged into the FCC. Uh, they, the, your, the chairman uses the word inquiry. You use the word inquisition. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, well, did. I use the, that word because if you think about the process, you know, they early on I said, you know, what do you think that these companies have a, a right not to come in? And the response was, oh, yes, they don't have to come in. No one has to come into the commission. But we all know what that means if you say, you know what, thanks for calling, but we're not, we're not going to come in. We know what that means. The next month you're going to have, uh, you know, a, a letter come your way. You're going to have a call made. Something bad is coming in your direction. 
question if you decide, you know what, I'm just not coming down because I don't really feel like answering the FCC's questions. Of course, you don't want to be seen as a as a non-team player. And then, of course, if your competitors all go into the FCC and you don't, that clearly differentiates you. But it's interesting to note the companies that are what we're talking about here. We're talking about big companies, Comcast, AT&T, companies that are able to maybe comply with requests like you have two weeks to produce everything related to your business model so we can see if it's okay. And it's telling that not a lot of small companies are being asked to come in. Uh, there's a couple, maybe a couple reasons for that. One, maybe they're not interested in zero rating. Maybe they haven't explored the business model. But the worst scenario is that they are holding off on plans to enter the market and compete with bigger companies because they have no idea what's happening. And if companies like T-Mobile, Comcast, and AT&T can't get through the gauntlet, then of course a smaller company can't get through the gauntlet. They don't have the resources of a Comcast or an AT&T. They don't have the lawyers and the accountants and all the things that are necessary to comply with this seemingly benign inquiry. I mean, that's one of the big issues, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. There's there's two parts to your, to your answer that I think are appropriate for me to raise. One is net neutrality, the biggest problems with net neutrality are its impact on small companies. The big companies are always capable of answering and responding to and reacting to whatever burdens an FCC puts on it. But it's the small companies that can't respond because that's debt, that's money that's coming from their capital budget. It's, they don't have the resources to respond uh, and that takes away from the other activities they would like to do to grow, to expand, to deploy more services. So it's harmful to their practice. And that's why we've had a fight over small business exemption and who's going to be covered in that. But the second part is, is, is something you said, you know, who are the companies that are, that are trying out zero rating? And, and in fairness, three of them are wireless providers. They're three nationwide wireless providers, the market leaders today. And they're trying different ways to, to get consumer attention given the, the uh, price points that's being offered, given all of the packages that are offering, that these are a way to differentiate themselves in the marketplace against their competitor. T-Mobile's got a product, AT&T's got a product, Verizon's got a product. Product. Comcast has, has, has uh, attempted to look at um, some type of data cap in some markets and is it trying to figure out how that would apply. So you have to figure, wireless is more susceptible because the data caps are actually um, are more applicable because right. the, the need, the congestion on the need for spectrum and things to that nature, the, the network development in and of itself, it's not as fulsome as a, as a fiber network. Of course. And these companies now, they, they've gotten the letters, they've you know, responded in the ways that they're going to respond. Where do you see these inquiries going? I mean, you, you mentioned that the the bureaus don't necessarily have to ever make a conclusion on zero rating, which would not be great. That might even be worse than them saying it's banned because companies are kind of just left hanging. Um, but you know, could you maybe provide any sort of clarity to these companies or do you have a prediction of where these inquiries are going to lead? Yeah, I honestly don't know where this is going to go. I don't know that anyone does. Um, and we don't have any time frame as, as well. You know, I, I, I read the same uh, press as you all. It sounds, you know, in the articles that the commission's getting ready to to provide some kind of answer. Um, but I'll be waiting, with, you know, to see what what that is, if it's anything. And we don't have any clue. Uh, they certainly don't clue me in uh, on when any of that when any of that is going to occur. Um, it is it is problematic from my perspective because companies want to make a decision. They have to figure out where they're going to put their dollars and what products actually are acceptable even though they shouldn't be needing the commit, the government's approval for, for a different uh, type of offering uh, than they've been doing in the past. 
Well, I guess I shouldn't be shocked that if they don't even tell you when the damn meeting is going to start last week, that they're <laughs> not going to tell you what they're going to do on zero rating, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty good indication of how we operate today. So before you go, uh, one non-tech policy question. Uh, your name is spelled O'Reilly, O-R-I-E-L-L-Y, and uh Fun fact, when I first saw that and I was a young whippersnapper entering the tech policy scene, I once referred to you as Commissioner O'Reilly because <laughs> the name was spelled differently. Uh, is that a common spelling of the name O'Reilly? What's going on with ah, that? Okay. Uh, it, I get this question occasionally. Probably I would say maybe 15% of O'Reilly's are spelled that way. Uh, two stories that were given to me by my dad who since passed one is that his his mother is a, was an English teacher, uh, and when 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 his father, my grandfather, who I never had a chance to meet, um, proposed, uh, my my grandmother said to to him that um, I will marry you, but I want you to to correct your name. And as an English teacher, it's I before E except after C. <laughs> That's one. Uh, and then so we we've lived with that. And two is uh, that there there was a belief that that um, in Ellis Island they just kind of spelled it any way they wanted to at the given moment, and whoever was there just spelled it that way it, it comes to comes to find out my sister has done some background checking and we may have come through greenland uh and not made it through ellis island but uh there's some more work to do but they're two fun stories uh the truth is it's always been that way uh family families are the you know names come from where they are and i'm i'm, I'm proud and happy to have it well, maybe you can uh, get the uh, chairman to dedicate some FCC resources into an investigation of the origin <laughs> of your last name. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think we need to, to – to, I'd like the commission to do less, so I don't need them to, to do such a function as well. Yeah, let's not add this to their plate. I guess they've got plenty going on. Well, thank you so much for joining me, oh, Commissioner. Absolutely. This was great. Uh, much appreciated. Very much. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's show. Follow us on Twitter at Tech Freedom or on Facebook.com slash Tech Freedom. Find this podcast in the iTunes store or on your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It will help us and it will help others find the show. Thank you for listening. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.